return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, let's just invite the Father's presence. Lord, we thank you so much. Thank you for the Holy Spirit our personal counselor, our advisor, our helper, our encourager. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for the word of God. Feed us bread from heaven this morning, Jesus. Feed us till we want no more. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Flood our hearts with light. Thank you. Thank you for the deep and abiding love of Jesus. Thank you for your people who are so in love with you, so hungry for you. Thank you, Lord, that you satisfy us as none other in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're doing healing session number three. Every eight weeks, that's a little bit hard, but maybe you remember a little bit. Our very first session, we spent a lot of time talking about our position in Christ, who we are as sons and daughters, of the Most High God, being joined heirs with Jesus, partakers of the divine nature. And our summary statement of that whole session was probably that it's not so much about getting us a new destination. That's not what salvation's about, but we have this glorious place to look forward to, right? Called heaven. But it's about getting something into us, namely the life of God. Hallelujah. God's original intention for the creation of man was about union. Union with the Father, union with Jesus, union with the Holy Spirit. When we receive Jesus, we get union, oneness with the Lord Jesus and with the Father. And you might ask, well, what the world does that have to do with healing? Everything, friends. Everything. And not just for our personal divine health and our personal divine healing, but God wants us to be releasers ourselves to our world of healing and health and wholeness. Now, if you've ever studied the life of Jesus, you know, like the book of John, I think it's like 40 sometimes he talks about my father. My father said this. My father, I see my father doing this. He was aware, conscious, 24-7 of the Father's presence, of what the Father thought, what the Father wanted, what the Father was doing. And if we want to live like Jesus, which we do, yes, then we want to start thinking like Jesus. If we want to start thinking like Jesus, we've got to see like Jesus, believe like Jesus. We've got to know who we are, Right? Like Jesus, we need to know what we can do with this life that's on the inside of us. So then session number two, we spent um, quite a bit of time talking about that Passover meal. Remember, I was so excited about having shared or heard, and then I shared with you. And we're going to go back to that a little bit today because I was listening to my session two tape, and I missed a few things. (laughs) 
So um, that was all about the divine health provided for us in the Old Covenant. You do know that, right? And I'll show you a couple of scriptures today, but come on. Isn't the New Covenant better than the Old? Yeah, let's look at that first scripture in uh, Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6. For, so for us to understand that divine health is in the Old Covenant, and then people say nowadays it's not in the New, come on, there's something wrong here. So let's look at uh, Hebrews 8, 6. But now Jesus, our high priest, has been given a ministry far superior to the old priesthood. So in the old covenant, that whole business with the Israelites, the priest was the big guy. I mean, he was the most important because he was the mediator between God and man. And now Jesus is our personal high priest. He's the one who mediates for us. A far better covenant, friends, based on better promises. I heard a quote the other day from a man I highly esteem in the body of Christ. And he said it like this. It would be, I'm not going to say it exactly the way he said it. I don't remember his first word, but I know the rest of it. It would be an extremely crazy thing if we got to the end of the age and the only generation found to be living in divine health was that rebellious generation that lived in the wilderness. Wouldn't that be sad? Do you know what I'm talking about? Because you know the Bible says, we're going to look here at Psalm 105, verse 37. We're talking about some two million people. And the Bible says that there was not one feeble one among them when they left Egypt. Here it is, verse 37. And you can read a little bit more of this whole business of the people. But he brought them forth. We're talking about the Israelites leaving Egypt with silver and gold. Go back and read it. I mean, the Egyptians handed them their gold and their silver. God was paying them back for wages that they'd been cheated on for years. And there was not one feeble person among his tribes. Now, there is something supernatural that happened, friends, when they partook of that Passover meal. Were all of you here the last time I talked? Some of you weren't, were you, the whole Passover? So we'll go back to that a little bit. <clears throat> but you know that they were asked to put that blood on the doorpost of their homes. And then they were commanded, we're going to read this passage in uh, Exodus chapter 12 in just a little bit. Commanded to partake of the roasted lamb. And remember we talked about what that meant, and I'll, I'll get back to that in just a minute. But what I want to, you to imagine right now is being one of those Israelites sitting in your home the night before you left Egypt. I don't know, you think you had any pains in your back? The men had been slaves all day. Can you get your imagination going here? Okay, weren't they still a slave that day? There might have been a few pains in their back. There might have been a few limps. I don't know, we're talking about some two million people. Do you think there was any issues in their bodies? Perhaps. All I know for sure is after they put the blood on the doorpost of their homes, friends, got under the protection of the blood, after they partook of that roasted lamb, which represents, understand, the body of Christ, the broken body of Jesus, that the next morning when they left Egypt, there was not one feeble person among the tribes. Are you seeing that? That's what it says. 
So we have to come into understanding of the power of what it is to partake of the flesh of Christ. Because what did Jesus say? <coughs> In Luke chapter, um, I'm way ahead of myself here. Luke chapter 22, verse 19. Jesus, this is one of the verses we remember when we have communion. This is my body, broken for you. So this whole Passover meal, the whole story represents Jesus Christ and everything he went through. So for those of you who just kind of came in a little late, I want to show you first a couple of verses that, just to reiterate that the Old Covenant included divine health. It included divine healing. And like I said, it would be a crazy thing if we get to the end of the age and the only generation that really lived it was the rebellious generation in the wilderness. We want to we get to be those people. Not rebellious, not, not trusting God, but let's, let's aim for, let's goal for that life of living in divine health. So Psalm 103, verse 1, 2, 3 is one of the first passages. <coughs> 103, please. Did I write it wrong? I apologize. Very famous, famous scripture. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Listen, he's actually talking to his soul. Come on, emotions, get with it. Come on, Will. What's wrong with you? Get to blessing the Lord. Verse 2, bless the Lord, oh my soul. He has to command his soul again. Do you ever have to talk to yourself? Yeah? Come on, get with it. Let's praise the Lord. And forget not all his benefits. So he's talking now about the benefits of being in covenant. And the new covenant, friend, we can never. There's a teaching going around that says the old covenant was better than the new. And come on, it's just not true. That healing doesn't exist anymore today. Come on, that's not true. You can't say that the old covenant was better than the new. It's just not true. So here is part of the old covenant. He forgives all your iniquities. Praise God for that, right? And who heals some of your diseases. Is that what it says? No, it says all your diseases. That's part of the old covenant, friends. Hallelujah. Verse 4, I included that or maybe not. It says, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. It's okay, Jeremy, I don't need it here. Um, Redemption, it's a big, big deal, friends. That's the purchase price of a slave. It's actually a financial word. The horrendous price was paid by Jesus Christ of Nazareth for our redemption. We're going to go next to Colossians chapter 1. Now, um, we're going to look at verse 14, but 13, just to remind you, is the important verse we, well, we women meditated on it just a couple weeks ago at the conference about light. It's the one about being translated out of darkness into light. That's something we all have in Christ. We've been picked up and taken out of the domain of darkness and put in now the domain of light. In whom, this is the very next verse, we're talking about Jesus, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Hallelujah. So this is why the new covenant is better than the old. So I want to camp out just for a minute now in Hebrews chapter 10, 
verse 10. And I asked Jeremy to get 12 and 14. Were you able to do that? Okay, so Hebrews 10.10. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. You need to underline that little phrase in your Bible. Once for all. Jesus died one time. One time he offered up his flesh. Horrendous torture and pain. One time he shed his blood. For all time, friend. And if you've ever been one of those people worried about, I mean, there was a teaching going around the body of Christ for a while that if you don't confess every single sin, if you don't repent of everything and something happened and you die, you're not going to get to heaven. Come on, that's falsehood. Look at this. Once for all. All your sins of the past. All your sins of the present. All your sins of the future. Jesus' blood was enough, friend. His sacrifice of his flesh was enough. Now, the reason I have this Bible out, it has like seven or eight different translations, and it just kind of mixes them all together so you can get a little bit more of what it's saying. So, um, well, let's go to verse 12. Here it is. But this man, who are we talking about? Jesus Christ of Nazareth. This man, after he had offered how many sacrifices? One sacrifice for sins. And again, the reason he's going over this in Hebrews is because everybody had this idea of we've got to have a high priest. We've got to have a high priest. That high priest, every year he had to make a special sacrifice, right? But this man offered one sacrifice for sins forever. How many? Forever. Does Jesus have to die again next week? No. Does he have to die again in 10 years? No. Does he have to suffer again for your healing? He does not, friend. Everything he did, every stripe he bore was enough. It was enough. But verse 14, for by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. I wonder who that's talking about. Is it the super-duper Christians? Is it the preachers and the apostles and the, the evangelists? No, it's us. Common, ordinary. Well, there's no such thing as common, ordinary once you're in Christ, right? We are sanctified. Okay, so I really wanted to show you a couple of... There's this one verse here that just um, blew me away the other day. Okay, verse 12 One of the translations says, after offering for sins a single sacrifice, and here's the phrase they use, perpetual efficacy. I know, big words, but what the world, what is he talking about here? Perpetual, that means forever and ever and ever. Efficacy, what's that big word mean, guys? Effectiveness. Okay, I looked it up. This is what Google says. Ability to produce a desired and intended result. So, somebody, some doctor, somebody tells you, you got this disease. You got this problem. Oh, it's in your genes. It's, it's, it's something you're going to have to deal with. Sorry, you know, if you know me at all, some of you do, I'm dealing with some things. I'm standing 
I'm actually having communion daily right now because I have been meditating on these scriptures. And it's crazy. I want to step into the fullness of this, don't you? Perpetual efficacy. Meditate on that for a few days. I mean, it's enough, friend. It is enough what Jesus took for us. Sorry, I could just stay there for a while, but we'll keep going. Because I didn't even get to Exodus 12 for some of you guys yet, right? Here's a second scripture proving um, Exodus chapter 23, verse 25, talking about the old covenant, including healing. You shall serve the Lord your God, and he shall bless your bread and your water, and I will take sickness away from the midst of thee. Now, any of you know Andrew Womack? He's a fine, fine teacher of the Bible. And um, usually when I hear these jewels, I run and write it down, so I've got it. But I don't know what I was doing that day, but I didn't get it written down, but I I remember the gist of it. So I'm just going to tell you the gist. I'll have to study it out another day. He said that in the Hebrew, this phrase, I will take sickness away, actually has something to do with clicking it off, like shutting it off. And he said that in the study of the cell, there's actually, that's true in the physical, that there's some little something in the cells of your body that can click off and you, and sickness isn't an issue. So you know what? I don't know all the details yet, but I'm, I'm still going to believe the word of God. Um, he says, I'm taking sickness of the way from the midst of you. And again, may I repeat, this is old covenant. We've got the better covenant. We've got the better promises. So let's go back now to uh, studying this Passover meal as we were um, doing eight weeks ago. And again, I'm pretty sure that session is available on, um, on Holy Life um, site. Either that, I know we can order it here for you. So we're in Exodus chapter 12. Um, I'm going to shorten it this time. We're going to start at verse 5. They had to pick out a lamb. Your lamb must be without blemish. That's a picture of Christ, yes? The perfect Passover lamb. You may take it from the sheep or the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of this month when the whole assembly of the congregation shall kill their lambs at twilight. You know Jesus died at that very hour. That's when he, his heart stopped. <laughs> uh, verse 7. Then they shall take some of the blood, and they shall put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat, they shall eat the flesh that night. Now, this is the key verse here. Roasted on the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled, but roasted with its head and its legs and its inner parts. Remember, when the blood was on the doorpost, the plague could not... destroy them. And that still applies. That's a verse any one of us can stand on. Exodus 12, 23. Were you able to find that, Jeremy? This is from the new century. It says, when the Lord goes through Egypt to kill the Egyptians, he will see the blood on the sides and the tops of the door frames. He will pass over that house. He will not let the one who brings death come into your houses and kill you. We're protected, friends, from the destroyer. Hallelujah. And like I said before, This is all a picture of Jesus. I wish we took communion here more often. I mean, that's why I'm doing it daily at my house now, because I constantly want to remind myself, Jesus said, this is my body broken 
for you. When they ate that lamb that night, this was representative of Jesus Christ. And I was just meditating last night on uh, John chapter 6, where Jesus said, I'm the living bread. I'm the living bread. And then he explained, my bread is my flesh. You know, the Catholics are probably a little closer to the true meaning of communion. When they, I mean, I don't believe what they think that it actually literally turns into the body and the blood of Christ when the priest prays. I believe what happens is that I got this bread or cracker or chip or whatever you're taking, and once it's in my body, it turns into, I believe. Maybe I'm, I don't think I'm off, because the body, Jesus says, eat my flesh. He means partake of my body. Partake of my body. Drink my blood. Come on, partake of what I have done for you. Hallelujah. So every part, friend, of Jesus' suffering. Well, let me back up a second. The piece of bread or the cracker represents the broken body of Jesus. The new covenant based on the offering of Jesus' body and blood was enough. We are set free from, by the blood. I wrote just a little note here about, did you all get to hear Brandon preach last Sunday morning? He gave a little, um, he, he talked about the temptation, which is very strong, of our experience trumping what the Word of God says. Or somebody else's experience. Well, my grandma Sally was a very spiritual woman and she died of da-da-da-da-da. Or my uncle so-and-so who walked with Jesus had this disease. And friend, it's the Word of God that must trump everything. We must not let our experience trump the word of God. Agreed? Now, every part of Jesus' suffering was for you and I. The emotional trauma that Jesus bore in Gethsemane, the drops of blood that fell in his hour of agony, the betrayal, the unfair trial, Peter's denial, the beating, (coughs) the crown of thorns, all of this was for you and me. And it was all the judgment of God against sin. So this phrase about eating it, can we go back to that part about um, Exodus 12? It's, the command was specific. You are to eat that lamb roasted, not boiled, not raw. Do you remember what that's all about? It has to do with our belief system. If we believe in any way, shape, or form, which some of us do. I've actually talked to people. You know, we're talking about, well, I've got this thing I need you to pray for. But, and when I get down to talking to them, they'll say, well, I deserve this. I did this really bad thing. So, I probably deserve this. That's eating the lamb boiled. That's like saying Jesus' blood wasn't enough. His sacrifice wasn't enough. I got to take some of it on myself. You know what I mean? Okay, we don't want to do that. We want to eat the lamb roasted, meaning seeing all of the judgment on Christ. All of the wrath of God. Alex did such a good job a couple weeks ago when he was talking about Romans. And he said, if you compare the Old Testament with the New Testament, and you keep wondering, well, in the Old Testament, why was there all this death and all this, come on, kill all those Amorites and, and get rid of those wicked people in Jericho. And, but you get to the New Testament and none of that's going on. Why? Because now all the judgment 
All the wrath of God against sin is on Jesus. Praise God, right? So we don't have to be carrying it. We don't have to be taking it. And friends, that includes disease. It was the judgment of God against sin. It was the due punishment for the curse that Jesus took on himself. That's what roasting stands for. He took it all. He took the guilt. He took the shame. He took every sickness, every disease. He took every curse. And if you're wondering, well, maybe this isn't so bad. It's just part of the fallen world. Ask yourself, didn't Jesus say, we're supposed to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. So this is what we should ask ourselves. If I was in heaven, would I experience this? That's, that's my test. That's how I know. Um, I don't think I'm supposed to be living in this, walking in this. We got started talking about what it meant to eat the head. So I really want to get to these three things. Um, the crown of thorns. Remember I showed you a little bit last time about they figured there was about 72 of those thorns. We're not talking about tiny, tiny things. Some of the commentators say that they used a date branch which had up to 12 inch long thorns. Very hard, very um, brittle, very sharp. So, And they didn't just plop it on his head like, oh, we're going to put this on you. No, they plowed it down, and then the Bible talks about, I think that's one of the verses, but we're running out of time. They took a club and hit it on him. I mean, friends, Jesus' head was traumatized. They mocked him. The pain was unbelievable. Blood splattering from his, from his head all over his face. That piercing was for you and me. And I skipped that verse. I don't know. I can't get all this said today, friends. Um, The New American Bible, Isaiah 53, 5 says, He was pierced for our transgression. So one of the piercing is the head. And one of the commands to the Old Covenant people on Passover night was partake of the head. Eat the head. I actually Googled it, friends, and you should see. In some of the Arab countries, um, they they would serve on the plate the entire head of the sheep. Considered a delicacy. Anyway, we, how do we participate or partake spiritually of the head of Christ? Numbers 21, 8 says, look and live. See Jesus taking, I don't care what head issue you're dealing with, sinuses, headaches. I don't care what it is. Maybe you hit your head. Migraines, depression, anxiety, PTSD. Look and see. Jesus took it. Use your imagination. Feel it. And know that it was for you. And Jesus, when he uh, was on the cross at the end, he said what? It is finished. It's done. So you can't say, well, I deserve this because that's eating it raw. Or it was that big, big sin. I'm going to have to pay for it the rest of my life. No, 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 no. That's eating it boiled. Let's eat it roasted. So let me get to at least one more. How about the leg? So the leg, you know, is the strongest bone in the body. This means then that we can partake of the strength 
of Christ. Romans 8.11, you should almost have this memorized almost, but I'm sure Jeremy's going to show it to us. If the spirit of him that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwell in you, does he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken. Quicken. Quicken means to energize. Quicken means to strengthen. Quicken means to resuscitate. Anybody need to be resuscitated today? It means to resurrect. It means to enliven. Some of us need a little enlivening. But again, friend, we have to partake. Again, you can't just sit there and say, well, come on, how come it's not happening? Oh, I heard this funny story the other day of this dad who said he was watching his five-year-old just... You know how a little kid doesn't really want to wash their hands before supper anyway, but he's having his hands there, and there's a knob to turn the water on, and he's just standing there waiting for the water to come out. Well, he has to push the knob, right? I mean, friends, we have to do that. We have to partake. We have to engage our hearts. We have to let the faith active be activated in us and believe that when we partake of the legs of Christ, we're partaking of his strength. The enemy's a big, big liar, right? He's going to condemn until the cows come home. He'll keep reminding you of your sin, and you need to keep reminding him of what Jesus did. I'm partaking of the lamb, of the fullness, his head, his legs. And what does it mean when it says, eat of the inner parts? Can you show that verse one more time? Can you pull up uh, Exodus 12? I think that's (coughs) verse 9, is it? Do not eat any of it raw or boiled or in water, but roast it. It's head and it's legs and it's inner parts. Now, again, this is old covenant, but all of this um, meat has to do with you and me. So this means Jesus bore our sorrows, friends. He took all our disappointments. He took all our griefs. Psalm 69.9 says, The reproaches of those who reproach you have fallen on me. That has to do with insults. Do you know how it is when you get insulted and offended and it just kind of stays there and it goes deeper and deeper and you get madder and hurter and more offended? And Okay, we can use that same imagination to pull up what Jesus did. Instead of meditating on how hurt you are, how offended you were, how disappointed you are, let's meditate on, ah, it all fell on Jesus. Jesus took it all. Every insult, every disgrace that you've ever gone through, every humiliation, and I need to be done. I see they opened the door. Bless you, friends. Jesus, we are so grateful. We're just so grateful for what you did for us. Help us not to be like that little boy just sitting there waiting for it to happen. Help us to engage, to partake, to take it as ours, Lord. And I want to thank you here and now, Lord. You're you're blessing your people that every one of us right now are partaking of your leg, of your strength. Every one of us right now are partaking of how you rejected the myrrh. You rejected the painkiller so that you could take it all on yourself so that we can be pain-free. So say it with me. I stand in the victory of Christ. I stand victorious. 
in Christ. Amen. Have yourself a great and wonderful day. Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616. You can email us at holylife at brookings.net or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m., Also, Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.